Amen, friends? Amen. Right? It's so good to come in and sing that. Just the simple song that reminds us that we can trust. So good morning, everybody. You, you came in. You, um, you got out of bed. I just want to commend you. Right? Because sleeping when it's raining like this is really a lovely feeling too, isn't it? And, and we know you could worship right there under the covers and find God's presence, but you decided to come and be with the people of God in God's house. And so we expect that wherever two or three are gathered, God is in our midst, right? And so this morning, we have the special uh, delight of having dear friends Dick and Sybil Towner. You guys want to say good morning to them? Good morning. And this morning, um, Sybil is going to join me because she's going to guide us in our communion meditation, so you can be seated. And kids, I just want to draw your attention to uh, Oma Sybil. She is a grandma. She's a great grandma. And, um, and Sybil has been a person who has worked with children all her life. We can even take this platform, Sybil. And, she, um, and then she works with big kids like me. <laughs> and so she has this grace with people in every age and stage of life. And when we asked if she would do the communion medication, medication, it is a medication. Yes, it is. It is healing for the soul, isn't it? Yes. yes. Um, she, she was so happy to have the children in for this meditation yes. as well. And what you should know about Sybil, she is an author. Um, she's written the Listen to My Life uh, in fact, I, did I leave it on your... Okay, so uh, maybe it's... Oh, right here, sweetheart, underneath the chair. Um, Sybil has written several things. If you Google Sybil, you're going to find all kinds of people who have benefited uh, from the megaest churches in the world to the smallest churches in the world to individuals that she's worked with in spiritual direction um, and on a pastoral staff over these many, many years in different churches. So she's written these wonderful things called Listen to My Life, Maps for Recognizing and Responding to God in My Story. So aren't you glad that they came during this part of our, our uh, series on the story of my life? Yes. And so we just greet you, um, Sybil, in the name of God our Father, Jesus his Son, and the Holy Spirit, who we see in you all the time in your loving, compassionate work Thank with you. people. And so we welcome you. Thank you so much. Um, in, just in her greeting me in that way, I'm going to, let's see, tuck this over here. Let's just greet one another. Uh, if you can stand up. And if you can't stand up, why, you can do it this sitting down. But just an embodied prayer. We're just going to remember that uh, this three-in-one. So watch me. Lord God Almighty, our Father. And then your hands open up and come to the side. Christ, our Redeemer. And then you bring your hands up to your heart. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. That's personal. And you can say, come into our hearts. And then bow forward. Just let yourself come forward. I surrender this day to you. So let's try that three times. Lord God Almighty, our Father, say it with me. Christ, our Redeemer, Holy Spirit, 
open my heart. I surrender this day to you. Lord God Almighty, our Father, Christ, our Redeemer, Holy Spirit, open my heart. I surrender this day to you. Lord God Almighty, our Father, Christ, our Redeemer, Holy Spirit, open my heart. I surrender this day to you. What does that feel like? Just to let your body be reminded that our Father, we are related brothers and sisters beyond our or family of origin. So you may sit down. Today we're talking about generosity and to come to communion in the spirit of the generous gift that God has given us is a beautiful thing. But just to remember that generosity is something that someone does that is beyond that which is expected. It has, you just feel there's, oh, that was more. And I wonder if there's probably a child in this room who just thought, I'm going to get something for my mom or dad, or I'm going to take care of a younger brother and sister so somebody can sleep 10 more minutes or play a game with, uh, uh, with somebody so the house is a bit more quiet. That was generous. Sometimes we don't think about that. And then we walked into this place. There were already people here and who came. Uh, this is a volunteer position, people at the sound booth, I came in, people were singing, who were practicing praise and worship themselves. So they had something to give to you. It wasn't about being professional, but it was about being an amateur, doing the thing for the love of doing it. So then you can be invited to praise and worship God together. And then I saw cards on all the seats. Somebody put them around. Somebody put water in our front row if we sort of felt a little tightness of throat to sit. That was, that was generous. And uh, so what a beautiful thing. So I want you to take that. Well, I want us to read Psalm 103 together. And I'm going to read the first part and one, this is the Passion Translation, uh, was it done for uh, New Tribes Mission, so it's not a paraphrase, it's a translation. And sometimes reading a familiar psalm in a different translation helps a word pop in a new way or a sentence. And so I'm going to read this first part, and someone has coined this psalm as the Father's Love. And so this is about his generosity to us as we consider coming to the table. So with my whole heart, with my whole life, and with my innermost being, I bow in wonder and love before you, the holy God. Yahweh, you are my sole celebration. How could I ever forget the miracles of kindness you've done for me? You kissed my heart with forgiveness in spite of all I've done. 
You healed me inside and out from every disease. You've rescued me from hell and saved my life. You've crowned me with love and mercy. You satisfy my every desire with good things. You're supercharging my life so I soar again like a flying eagle in the sky. Wow. Is that not beautiful? And then let's look at this together. This is God again, the Father speaking to us. You're a God who makes things right, giving justice to the defenseless. You unveiled to Moses your plan and showed Israel's sons what you could do. Lord, you're so kind and tender-hearted to those who don't deserve it and so patient with people who fail you. Is that you or me? Yes. (laughs) We don't need to go anyplace else. And your love is like a flooding river, overflowing its banks with kindness. You don't look at us to find our faults just so you can hold a grudge against us. Thanks be to God. You may discipline us for our many sins, but never as much as we really deserve, nor do you get even with us for what we've done. Christ has, now this is from Teresa of Avila, so someone else who in the 1500s came to know and love God Listen to what it is that we have and really speak it together so that you have a sense that it's you. Christ has no body now but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours eyes, the eyes through which he looks, compassion on this world. Compassion is with suffering that you look with a sense of being cared for and look with kind suffering. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses the world. Yours are the hands. You are his body. Christ has no body on the earth but yours. So now, Take this card and uh, if you have a pencil or pen just to share, write or draw a way in which God has been generous and gracious to you in this season. Did he use someone to be generous to you? Was there someone who may not have even known him? who offered forth a kindness to you, but they were created in his image. So just write or draw something of the way God has been gracious or generous to you. Sybil? Yes. Um, we have pens in the lanyards that hang on the chairs, so if people are yes. looking for pens, you can grab those. And maybe you could say that to us again, because as I saw people looking for pens, they might not have been able to hear your directive. Sure. So listen again, write or draw a way in which God has been gracious or generous to you. Maybe it was through another person. 
Maybe you were driving this morning and you noticed the firebush. You noticed a tree that was brilliant in red and it issued forth a beauty inside of you that connected with it. Maybe you listened to someone sing a song that touched your heart. Maybe someone gave you a gift that touched exactly what you needed. So write or draw in this current season. So we're looking back over over this last series on your story. just give you another 30 seconds. And now just in twos or threes, turn to each other or turn to someone in the back and just share one thing. So just speak. And if you don't know the person, please introduce yourself. Just say, I'm glad you're here. And, uh, and just share what came to you. So take a moment. Well, I'm going to gather us back. Dick and I had uh, were graciously received into your congregation, and, and we didn't actually have to stay in a motel. We got to stay in the home of Jill and Charles and just were just well cared for. It wasn't just breakfast. I mean, it was dinner. I mean, it was, you know, it was a just full service place. And... Uh, Oh, my goodness, we were well cared for. Just a spot of generosity that shows forth in your body. So now I want you to now I want you to scan your life. You've been talking about your story. So let's just start with sort of where you were born. And you just start doing a, a quick kind of like you're looking at the pictures in your phone. And you know how they just scroll down real quickly and you've gotten from 2018 to 2001 or however long you've had your phone. And you're just scanning your life, your neighborhood, your church, if you went to church growing up, your friends, your activities, your school, your family. Where was some form of generosity really given to you? Is there somebody who spent time with you? A friend told me she just looked at her story at the places she'd been listened to, and she shared, she just as she looked at her story, she remembered she was in a really hard time in high school. And there was a single woman who lived in the town. She lived in a farm out in the Dakotas. And they would go into town, and every day after school, she went to this woman's home. This woman poured a cup of tea, and she shared her heartache. The 
woman never judged her, never said anything, just listened to her, and then she went back home to her farm. And it was a part of what centered her and allowed her not to go a route she might have gone. So I wonder, is there somebody in your life who encouraged a skill or a talent or just was present with you, affirmed you? So just write or draw that event or person or place. just going to offer a brief prayer, Father in heaven, the fact that each of us is sitting here at this moment, there has been a kindness shown to us in our lives. And so we just draw the whole of our lives together and we just say thank you. Thank you that there has been no place that you have not been present where you have laughed or wept or had a prayer being prayed over us. You are the God who knows. And you hold all. And in you, all can be stewarded for good. And so we say thank you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Now I'm going to ask you just to take a moment because in this very congregation, there have been this family of God, there has been somebody who has been good to you. And maybe that person is not here right now. And I'm looking, where is the prayer? Um, It's right, yes, right over there to be able to write on. So maybe you need to go and write a name there. So whether you're five or maybe four or three or eight or ten or in the decades, just get up and just go to someone and just say thank you. Your presence or what you did meant something to me. So if you can, can you just stand first? Let me have you stand up so you just feel comfortable. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and so look around the room. And is there somebody who invited you here? Or is there somebody who might even be your small group leader or a child to a parent? Or, but just see if you can move a bit and say thank you to someone. All right, I'm just going to give you about a minute and a half to do that, so don't delay. We're just doing communion now.
there's quite enough love in this room. And just as you're going back to your seats, I'm going to read you something from a, from a novel, and it's called The Hardest Thing to Do. And it's, it is taken place on Good Friday, and the abbot is speaking. And he remembers a speech that one of the fathers gave. And he said, I remember him talking quietly to us the way he always did. And so think of it, Good Friday, when Jesus was on the cross, he spoke about how Jesus opened his arms wide. That's what we did. How Jesus opened his arms wide for us on the cross. An embrace, Father said, that was big enough for everyone in the world. There are people that will come and be in these seats that are empty this morning. It's big enough for them. And so then he said, do you remember what he said? He he talked about the names of God. I am that I am. He drew our attention to the numerous times in the Gospel of John where he said, I am the good shepherd. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. That this pattern of God's nature and identity. And then He said the heart of all this to us, the perfect living icon of the God in Christ becomes clear. Sort of look at that cross. And if you can picture in your mind Christ on it at this moment, helpless, hurting, his arms spread wide, no longer able to even see or feel the presence of his God, no longer able to teach or to choose, to challenge or heal. He's just nailed there. And his body announces to us, it says, here I am. Father said Jesus had stopped choosing for himself. He said that when Christ opened his arms wide for us on the cross, that was anybody's hug, friend, brother, enemy, betrayer. Christ was just there. It was over to us now to respond. This was the finale, the moment that we decide whether we are religious sightseers, pausers to look and then moving on, or whether we'll stop and hug him back. He reminded us Christ is nailed to that cross, and those who jeered at him to come down saw no miracles. So anyone who accepts that embrace, who hugs him back, has to accept the cross as well as the Christ. And so that's what we do. We come to this table. Come and receive. This is his body, the bread. This bread that is broken for you, that is broken for me. Receive it. It is his body given. And then with the cup, he said, this cup, this wine, this juice is my blood given for the forgiveness of your sins. Take and drink it. And do this until I come again. 
it reminds us of who we are, of who he is and who we are in him. So come joyfully, come receiving his generosity. Be blessed. Uh, We're going to just continue with this special treat today. I want to introduce to you Dick Towner. Uh, Dick and Sybil are such a gift uh, in our lives. Uh, There are so many things that I could say about Dick. Dick, um, Dick's life experience is so full. Uh, University president, he has been on executive uh, boards and uh, leadership of some of, a couple of the most influential churches, maybe the most influential church uh, in our generation, Willow Creek. Uh, Dick has offered or authored the Good Sense ministry for any of you that have ever experienced that. Um, that, was Dick's, uh, that was Dick's work that God spoke through him. But I, I, there's one thing I want to say about Dick as he comes up this morning that I think beyond all of those other things that are so just wonderful, uh, yesterday we were sitting and, and yesterday we were sitting for hours uh, with Dick and Sybil <laughs> Uh, in our living room, we had a couple of different meetings that they were a part of, and um, I looked over at one down. point and I thought, you know, there are those moments that happen in a life, I know have happened in my life, but I think have happened in all of our lives, where you're sitting with someone or a couple of people and you realize that um, this is a profound moment, just the presence of God living in that person. Mm. is just, it just ministers something powerful to you. And as we were sitting there, I thought, you know what, God, I, and I started to recount, there's been a handful of people and moments in my life that have been like that, where I thought, you know what, Jesus, you are here in this person or in these people, and I receive that gift. So um, I am so thrilled that we had Dick and Sybil here today and this weekend, and so thrilled to be able to hear Dick just share some of what God uh, has spoken to him through the years and to receive that gift. So I just invite all of us, just open up your heart and hear really from the Spirit of God this morning. Let's welcome Dick. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Well, those are very kind words, uh, Scott, needless to say, and uh, it's a mutual admiration society that uh, I have with Scott and Claire and, and with all of you. This is, uh, this is not our first time to be among you, and, and it's just a, a gift and a privilege. I want to talk about generosity, easily defined word. Willingness to give and to share. It's a word that is very close to my heart. A little over a year ago, our family celebrated my 80th birthday, and they did a big deal on a weekend and what have you. And I I said, I only have one request during this time, and that is that that I have a, a period of time in which to share some important things with you. And I chose to share a series of about a dozen or so uh, truths and practices that have been important to me. When you get to be 80, all of a sudden you say, boy, I got to make sure some folks hear some stuff here before (laughs) my time's up. And one of the things that that was on that list were, were these words, 
Be generous. It's freedom producing. It results in a unique, wonderful joy. And it's God's intention. And then I spoke a little bit to him, but that's an indication to you perhaps of of how uh, close to my heart this whole topic is. And I want to talk about generosity in perhaps a, a, a little different context than you've heard it before. I want to talk about three important attributes of generosity. The first of those is that it's a cure. It is a cure for a very uh, serious and a very prevalent disease. That disease is called affluenza. It's a disease whose symptoms are overindulgence, envy, discontent with what we have, even though we have more than enough. It's a, a scarcity mentality creeps into us when we have affluenza. And we have an unquenchable need for more. It's easy to catch affluenza. It's a very virus in the air we breathe. That virus uh, grows and foments in the midst of a materialistic culture. And it's contagious. It can spread pretty easily. Social media helps it spread. And some of the behavioral manifestations of it, even in the others who have it, seem initially sort of uh, 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 appealing to us. You know, oh, he's got all that stuff? And wow, you know, maybe, maybe I'd like to have that too. The spread of this disease is, is clearly documented within our society in ni- since 1950 the size of our our homes has more than doubled square footage wise at the same time the size of our families has decreased by 35% but in spite of that our garages and our closets and our basements and our attics are so full of stuff that a whole new very successful business has emerged since 1950 it didn't exist back then And I'm guessing you probably figured out what it is. It's a self-storage unit business. We, We don't have enough stuff. We are madly about building bigger barns. And Romans 125 says, They traded the truth of the word of God for a lie. And they worshiped created things rather than the creator. I think that describes a significant portion of our culture. But the good news is that generosity is the cure for affluenza. It's literally a 100% effective antibiotic if you have it, and it's a great vaccination if you haven't already caught it. Affluenza is about holding on, and generosity is about letting go. Generosity takes that stuff called money that's made as a medium of exchange. It's made to give, uh, that, that we can use it to get something of equal or greater value for it. But money 
is powerful stuff. It's not a neutral medium. It has a spiritual significance. Jesus pointed that out when he said, you cannot serve God and money. He lifted money up there on a spiritual level with God. It, it is and can be the chief rival God. And so generosity is when we take some of that money and we say, no, no, you don't control me. I control you. And just to show you, I'm going to do this unnatural thing with you. I'm going to give you away. And that breaks a hold that money can otherwise have on us. It frees us from a fearful attachment to money and the symptoms of affluenza. So the first important attribute of generosity then is that it's a a cure and a vaccination. The second important attribute is that it is a source of great joy. What I said in my 80th uh, birthday thing there, it's it's, uh, freedom producing and the source of a unique and wonderful joy. Maybe you can think of a time when you gave something to someone that you know they really would like. Earlier in the service through Sybil, you talked about where you got gifts from. Maybe you even had to sacrifice a little bit in order to provide this for the person. Think about a time like that and then think about how did, you, how did that feel? How did that feel? I feel pretty confident in saying it felt really good. It felt good because we're made to give. We're made in the image of God, the generous God who gave everything, including the life of his son. And just uh, a few weeks ago, uh, Sean and, and Kathleen in their message to you, talked about the difference between joy and happiness. And that joy is when you're, you're doing what you're made to do. And I'm suggesting that we are made to give. And when we do what we're made to do, it is joy. This transformation of... Screw, well, let me just say this. A, a body of water without a, a, an outlet becomes a stagnant body of water. <clears throat> and a life without a, an outlet of giving becomes a stagnant life. I think Scrooge in the Christmas story is a classic example of the before and the after of a stagnant life. Before, and then he woke up and, and began to give, and you saw the, the fullness of a joyful life. It is more blessed to give than receive. We are blessed to be a blessing. God loves a generous giver. We reap what we sow. Oh, that our short-sightedness and failure to be generous would uh, rob us of that joy and rob us of missing the life that is truly life as expressed in 1 Timothy 6.19 where it says those who do good and are generous and willing to share will lay up treasures for themselves 
that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. All right, third most, uh, third important attribute of generosity, and perhaps it is, in fact, the most important attribute. It is a protector of our relationship to God. Now, that may sound a little strange, like how can generosity be a protector of our relationship to God? Well, here's, here's the way it is. Generosity has an impact, it, it, a positive impact on our relationship to money and stuff. I said earlier, it, it prevents money from, from controlling us. We control the money. So, so it... Um, It has a positive influence on our relationship to money. And our relationship to money, hear this, our relationship to money has an incredibly strong correlation to our relationship to God. One person even went so far as to say, there is no such thing as being right with God and wrong with your money. And when I first heard that, being a kind of stewardship-oriented guy, I, you know, I kind of liked the power of that statement. But, but down deep, I, I said, yeah, but, you know, it's probably a little overstated. I mean, you're, you know, gosh, it's so strong. But I reflected on it, and I looked through Scripture what it had to say. And gosh, there's a lot, but just, just a few of them. I, I discovered that, well... Uh, if I'm out of relationship with my money, it, uh, uh, where my treasure is, my heart will be. My heart, the very essence of who I am, biblically, it will be where my treasure is. Ooh. And if I'm out of relationship with my money, uh, uh, gosh, I, I can't serve God. Because Jesus said, and it was a declarative, imperative context, you cannot. It is impossible to serve God and money. And then a parable of the sower. The, some of the seed fell on good soil and, and began to grow, and the growth was the word of God, and weeds and thorns grew up, and they choked out the growth and made it unfruitful. And Jesus later explained to his disciples those weeds and thorns that choked out the word of God were the deceitfulness of riches and concern over things of the world. And then Paul to Timothy said, oh, be careful, watch out. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And I realized how closely my relationship to God was to my relationship to money and the stuff money could buy. But when I'm generous, I'm clearly not serving money. I'm not deceived by money that somehow it's the source of security and not God and And so I need to hang on to it, and I'm not loving money, and therefore not susceptible to all kinds of evil. But what I'm seeing when I'm generous is how money can be a channel of God's love to others. So, I think generosity, being generous, is pretty important stuff. It protects me from affluenza. It gives me great joy. It strengthens my relationship to God. And I need to do a double check. Do I, 
Should I close at this point? Because that's, that's not a bad place to stop. Uh, how are we doing time-wise? Do I, oh, do I still have nine minutes left? Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Let me, because I want to say this. There's another thing. I'm conscious that generosity can be hard. I mean, it's, it, we know down deep it sounds right. I want to be generous. I want to be good. To, but, ooh, it's tough. You know, I, I, frankly, I remember the first time I wrote a tithe check. Oh, my gosh. It was, it was so difficult. And I think if I had known what I'm going to share briefly here with you, that back then it would have been easier. And, and that is that uh, you and I, don't own anything. Everything that we have, everything that we possess is tainted. It taint yours and it taint mine. All right? Now, it's God's. It's God's. And you say, well, now, Dick, that, you know, that sounds very nice and theological and you're up on stage giving a message. But what do you mean it's for God? How's, how do you arrive at that conclusion? And here's how I arrive at it. I, number one, God created everything. Genesis 1.1, God created. There was nothing and then God created. And then number two, God retained ownership of everything. It's very clear scripturally. Gold is mine, the silver is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills are mine, the earth and the fullness thereof. Psalm 24.1, and all who dwell within it. All of us belong to God. Last week, in fact, uh, Claire talked about it's when we realize our identity, that we are the beloved son or daughter of God. That's, that's when we become and have a, an ability to be all God wanted us to be. And I'll take it a step further. Parents... Our children are not our children. They're the beloved sons and daughters of God entrusted to us as earthly parents to raise and to love. And, and, but they're the sons and daughters of God. And the extent to which as parents we can help them understand that as their true identity, that's one of the greatest gifts we can give them. Therefore, everything that I have, I don't own. Oh, I've got, you know, I've got a deed to my house and a title to my, I actually don't have a house anymore, but at any rate, you have deeds and titles and, and in earthly contexts, we own things. But actually, your house is God's house. Your car is God's car. Your children are God's children. And uh, everything has just been entrusted to us. We're, we're stewards is a biblical word, uh, a more modern word that I think means the same thing as trustee. We're, we're trustees. And, and a trustee, what you need to know is that a trustee has no rights, only responsibility. And the responsibility of a trustee, if, if, if you were incapacitated and I was made a trustee of your affairs to, to manage your, your, your resources and that, no, res, no rights would I have, only the responsibility to handle them in a way that best serves you 
and is is consistent with your intentions, your desires for how those resources are going to be used. And so we're trustees of God's resources. And so we need to utilize them in ways that are consistent with what we understand to be God's intent as a trustee. Uh, It's a... uh, Deuteronomy 8.17, uh, you, you know, you may say, okay, Dick, uh, I, I kind of buy into that a little bit anyway. But, you know, I studied hard in school and I, I've worked hard on the job and, you know, I'm kind of responsible for, for at least some of the stuff that I have. Uh, and... Deuteronomy 8.17 says it so clearly. You may say to yourself, my power and strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Okay, you worked hard, you studied hard, but who gave you the soundness of mind the strength of, of body to do the things that you've done. There's only one correct answer to the question, how'd you get what you got? And the answer is, it's a gift. It was a gift. Someday, if I were the, the trustee of your affairs and I mismanaged them, I'd have to appear before a judge in a court of law because I violated the, the trusteeship that I was entrusted with. Someday all of us will appear before a judge. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there are really only two questions. Did you accept my son, Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And what did you do with what I entrusted to you? And my hope and prayer for each of you is that your answer to that second question would be such that God's response would be, well done, good and faithful servant, good and faithful trustee. Thank you very much. Can we uh, thank Dick and Sybil one more time just for their presence today? Amen. Amen. Dick and Sybil, would you two mind coming up and speaking the blessing over us as we head out this morning? Why don't we all stand? If you could just send us out with the blessing, that would be so, so, so grateful Uh, I can think of no better blessing than the one that Aaron gave 
thousands of years ago. Uh, and what we'd like to do is we'll say it one phrase at a time and you look around to others and repeat the phrase and bless each other as we bless you. So, the Lord bless you and keep you. Repeat. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious unto you and give you peace. May it so be. God bless you guys. Have a great week.